0: Thank you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. And for more inspiration, go to amazon.com and purchase my latest book, Say Yes, Every Day, Discovering Your Superpower. Hey, everyone, I hope you are having a positive and productive day. We have a great guest today that I would like to introduce you all to Julian Hayes II. He is an author- an epigenetic coach, and a human performance advisor, and the host of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. His initial journey began in the pursuit of becoming a doctor. However, he left after only one year to pursue a bigger dream. He is now the founder of the Art of Fitness and Life, this one-stop shop that helps entrepreneurs and executives become superhuman in life, and business without guesswork. His mission is carried out through leveraging data driven health metrics, personalized programming, and enhanced technological strategies. Well, Julian, thank you so much for joining us today. And on Positively Charge Biz, we like to start at the beginning. So take us back to that pivotal moment where you're in medical school. Mm-hmm. What changed and why did you feel it was important to start the Art of Fitness and Life?
1: Yeah, so it, it definitely started in medical school. And for listeners out there, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and I was in medical school in New York City, so quite the different environments. So in New York, everyone, it seems like, is pursuing a dream. So people see themselves winning an Oscar a few years down the road, Tony Awards, you name it. Everyone's chasing something at the coffee shops that I hung out at. I skipped class a lot because a lot of it was virtual and I can speed it up. And I wanted to explore the city a lot because I've just I've just been infatuated with New York. So during that time when I had people inspiring me and 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 talking, the moment clicked, I was in the Lower East Side, I was at a bar or a restaurant called the Yuca Bar. Hopefully it's still there. And I was having a drink and there was another girl there and she was describing her job what she does, she travels, she works. And so I zoned out and all I heard was she combined her passion and -hmm. she found a way to make a living at it. And now she, and she has adventure as well. Those are things I craved. And so from then on, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think I'm stuck Or, or like I'm in the wrong place. And it came to a halt. I'm in anatomy exam. It's like a three hour long test. Halfway through it, I'm looking up, classmates are they're looking a little stressed, worried about answering the right question. And I'm zoning out. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm not, I, I'm not in the right place. And so I finish out the year, and I come back home, and I just decide one night, hey, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm going to pursue writing. I'm going to still be involved in health some, some type of way. I'm going to keep up with the health and medical literature, I'm, and I'm just going to make it happen somehow, some way. And I couldn't wait to tell everyone this the next day. And I told everyone because I was really excited. Right. And, and how I got did z- that
0: go? How did that go, Julian?
1: <laughs> I got zero celebrations. Yeah. I, I got, bet. yeah. I, I got a few people that asked me to take a drug test yes. or what happened in New York. But, um, but yeah, it was that pivotal moment. And I just, like you said, I just said, yes.
0: Yes, you did. I, so, so now keep going. So you have zero celebration, which we know mm-hmm. that's the hardest part, right? Because as humans, We want people to celebrate our decisions and we want others, our friends, our families, everyone to say, Julian, we're behind you a hundred percent. And when that doesn't happen, we start to question our decision. So now keep going. What happened?
1: Yeah, that's, that's the hardest part. That, that was really hard, especially because I'm only child. So I'm used to, I'm used to getting like, praise and affection. And I was kind of the golden child because I'm first generation. Yeah. So I've already went to undergrad and then I already went, to, now I'm going to grad school. I have a graduate degree as well. So I can't do no wrong until I step into this world. They're like a coach, a writer, what, what is that? Are you kidding me? You know, cause the doctor sounds so prestigious to be a surgeon and, and, and all this stuff, but then like a coach or a writer, like, is that one of those weekend certification things you're talking about? So, um, so during that time, luckily. I had a, I had some friends, so I had, I had a little support network. I'm not sure they were really sure I was actually going to be able to do this, but they weren't going to tell me at least face to face. So that's what matters. And they were there to listen to me. And my friend was actually a writer, even though he doesn't write now, totally weird. And he helped me really learn how to write. Okay. Yeah. And so, cause my, you would see articles now that I write and stuff. You're like, Oh wow, that's pretty, he's a pretty good writer. But let me tell you, my first articles for like a year or so were terrible. But, Absolutely. But, it,
0: but you know, Julian, that's a good point that you say that because that's how we all start out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. no one ever becomes an expert day one, right? Mm-hmm. For the most part. Most people do not. In anything that we do, we all have to get there. And that's Mm -hmm. part of the journey, isn't it? So congratulations for not giving up and not saying, oh, you know, this really isn't my thing. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to stop. So, all right. So great. So now you've, you honed in on your craft. Mm -hmm. You figured out how to be a great writer and Mm -hmm. then tell us about the book.
1: Yeah. So the book is, I've always wanted to be an author and I knew I was going to be an author. I, I, I see, I had a vision for what things were going to be. And I saw the book as part of that. So the book is I wrote it, I think around 2015, 2016, and it's it's more of like a fitness origin story. And okay. so I thought the very first book that I'm going to write, if I'm thinking it's like a story, so before I start talking about this epigenetics, this this advanced science stuff, I want to lay the foundation, you know. And so I wrote this book just for beginners and people just starting out on their journey, how to go about it, how to build healthy habits. What are some things to look out for? And so I broke it down into mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, and exercise. Okay. Yeah. And that book taught me, I mean, it was fun to write it, but it taught me a lot of lessons about just showing up even when you don't feel like it. There's a lot of things, and I'm sure your listeners being in a mortgage and real estate, they have to, some days, probably talk to people when they don't feel like it. Yep. <laughs> but- and I think that's part of being a high performer and what I call a superpower is being able to show up even when you don't feel like it, being able to stay consistent and follow the plan, even when the results just aren't there. And those are two principles that I think can really separate yourself.
0: Right. I agree. So let's dive into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yes, mostly everyone in, in my audience are either high performers or striving to be a high performer. And mm-hmm. our industry in mortgage and real estate, it's very stressful. We are literally have people's homes, the roof over their head with their children and their family and where they go to school and, you know, their lives are in our hands and not everything goes perfectly every time, right? Things pop up, things that we can't control and it is stressful, but yet we always strive to do better and we strive to do more. So How do you give us some of those tips as Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs and as people that are high performers that want to take care of all of these families and help them? What are some of the things that we should be doing?
1: Yeah, I think there's one one concept to start with, and that's to start managing your energy and not just your time. And when we think about energy, that's our most viable currency. And you can break energy down into the body, and that's more physical energy. Your mindset, that's more mental energy, emotional energy, and even a spiritual energy. And when I say spiritual energy, I'm not talking like energy crystals or any of that stuff. I'm talking more of like your purpose, your values, your principles, and being in alignment with that is work. And your personal life is all that in alignment. Because a lot of times we can sometimes feel stress and bogged down, even though we think we're doing all the right things. It's just because we're not living in alignment. It's
0: almost where, and, and I think we all can appreciate this, right? Something just feels off.
1: Off, right? yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Something feels off. So let's dive into that because I think as humans, we've all experienced mm-hmm. that at some point in our lives, right? Something just doesn't feel right, but we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. How do we know what it is? How, how do we get it back in alignment or what do we do? Like, is there any, any type of methods that we can follow?
1: Yeah, there's a handful of things. And I think it's, it's really dependent on you and your personality. I know for me, last year was pretty tough because yeah. I, I lost some family members. And so for me to find myself, I find myself through activity and exercising. So I started to run of all things. And I really like running now for long distance now and through that running at first i had a lot of thoughts in my head even with music on but then after 6 or 7 miles i just go blank and i start to think clearly and then i could come back to my issues and problems with a blank canvas now cuz i don't have all this extra noise in my head now for other people writing journaling starting the day there's a i think i forgot her last name but julia she wrote the artist the artist way and she talks about morning pages mm. and just every morning writing one to two pages quickly. Don't, you don't even have to re- go back to it. And that just writing whatever's on your mind. And it's almost a way of getting all of that out. Oh, just
0: expressing yeah. it. Just yeah. having a way to express because okay. it's better.
1: It's better out than in. And if, and then a, another good method is meditating or chanting, praying wh- whatever suits you and just staying consistent with that. But this is almost like being a scientist and exploring what actually feels easy to you. It shouldn't feel like a lot. It shouldn't really feel hard to do these things. That's the thing. There's a lot of times where there's a lot of natural resistance. We procrastinate on these certain activities. And the reason why is I think there's just something energetically that is not pulling us to that. And there's always an alternate way to do it. There's never just one way to get to, whatever journey or goal or issue that you're trying to solve. There's multiple ways to get there.
0: I love that. And, and, you know, you described it beautifully because I know myself, you know, again, as high performers, we always have a million things running through our brains. We have this idea and this idea and this idea, and this we have to do and this to do this, and we have to follow up and we have to do all these things. And I think you're right. It is a personal journey right we mm-hmm. no one can say hey go for a run that well that might work for some people but maybe meditating works for someone else or maybe it is just listening to certain type of music or whatever but i think you described it perfectly that it's when your mind calms whatever gets you to that point that's where you're going because you're correct that's where clarity happens mm-hmm. that's where all of a sudden you're clear and you could say, ah, now I can see what the next step should be.
1: Yeah. And you know, with, with high performers, they're always, we're always on the go. We're always moving. So motivation is really never a problem. Right. Laz- laziness is never a problem. So for us, it's slowing down. And so a, a great principle to, think, to keep in mind is to slow down to speed up. Ah.
0: Well, and that's, that's why I find it interesting. Like I know for myself... Mm -hmm. 2020 for me, I produced more and Mm -hmm. accomplished more in 2020 than most other years in my life. And it was because, like you said, I slowed down because I wasn't jumping on airplanes and going Mm -hmm. to different places. So I had extra time at home. So you're right. We have to slow down in order to gain. So Mm -hmm. that is, that is wonderful. I love it. So tell me, Julian. I know you're a lot about data and you're a lot about using, you know, different wearable devices mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Tell me a little bit of how technology and how data ties into what you've researched.
1: Yeah, I love technology and data because oftentimes data doesn't have any emotion. Right. And so a key, ta- a key point that always sometimes gets in the way of when I'm trying to talk with a high performer is sleep. And I don't, I function just fine on the sleep I'm getting. And it might be like six hours a night and they think they're doing fine. And then I remind them that there's a difference between existing and doing okay compared to thriving. Mm. That's two totally different things. And conceptually that makes sense. But for a lot of these people, they like to see it as well. And so that's where technology can come in because it's not 100% accurate, but it is fairly accurate. And you can see how certain lifestyle behaviors, such as sleep, or even having a glass of wine or two right before bed or eating right before bed, you can see how that affects the quality of your sleep. You can see um, looking at your deep sleep, your REM sleep, you can see those little variables. You can look at your heart rate, your HRV, You, you can look at all sorts of things. And then you can put a story together to present to them. Mm. And that's a little more convincing then because it's not just like I'm preaching to them, but it's also saying this is what the data is showing. And so they could, and they, they could see that more visually.
0: I love that. And you are correct. That is the way to address high performers. Uh, we <laughs> have to see it. You have to take the emotion out. So question in regards to sleep. Does it vary? In terms of by person, in terms of how much sleep they do, it does, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not yeah. a one-size-fits-all. No. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, none of this stuff is one-size-fits-all. That's why I use the word N of one. We're 99.9% the same, but that 0.1% that we're all different makes a world of difference. Because for most people, seven to nine hours is um, the range, there's a certain percentage out there. I think it's called the DE, the DECA two gene, where these are people who can sleep on five to six hours a night and thrive. Right. That's a rare percentage. I think like maybe three or 4% of the population has this variant. So for the rest of us it's seven to nine hours. And a way I think about this, even if you're not into tech or anything right now, think about the daily load that you put on yourself. The more load, the more stress that you put on your body each day, the more recovery that you need. Right it that's a simple way to think about it. So for me for example, on top of uh, writing and creating and talking to people, I train a few times a day. Sometimes it's a very long run and lifting. So I'm more toward that 9-hour range if I need to be optimal. I don't get it every time, but I know that 7 hours is probably not going to be enough for me and it's going to catch up with me in a few days. Now if you're someone who just you work and then maybe do 30-45 minutes a couple times a week, most likely seven seven and a half getting that amount is probably going to be good for you
0: Got it. That's so important. All right. So you spoke about recovery. You spoke about our bodies resting our mm-hmm. cells. Now let's jump into epigenetics mm-hmm. because obviously I'm so fascinated by, by this concept and it's proven now. This is science. Mm-hmm. This is no longer people thinking that there is a way for us to control. You know, it's not necessarily just our DNA that we were born mm-hmm. with as, as babies. So. Explain what epigenetics is for those yeah. that do mm-hmm. not know what it is, and then explain what we can do with that knowledge mm-hmm. of what it is.
1: Yeah. So for a more formal definition that I like to start off with is that when you hear epigenetics, epi means above. And so it's above the gene. Okay. That's the formal definition. Now, an easier way to think about this is, let's think about the um, the queen bee Okay. and all the other bees in the beehive. One becomes the the queen bee, while the other is just workers bees. What's the difference between that? Well, there's a few. There's like two things. One is the royal jelly, so she's fed a different type of diet. Two is the environment. There's like a cocoon that she grows in. Those are the only two things that makes her the queen bee compared to the worker bee. Same genome, but different inputs to that into their body, into that environment, and that changes everything. So what this means to us is that we have A certain genes, that's not going to change. That genetic code is not going to change. That's our blueprint, but our destiny and the way that they can express is totally up to us, because we can control what we eat. We can control how we breathe, how we exercise, how we sleep, the thoughts we think, the way we talk. We control every single input into our environment, the pollution, every single thing, and that is given us communication telling us which genes will turn on, which genes will turn off. So an example is thinking about exercise. You could change, I believe, nearly one-third of your entire genome positively by consistently exercising over the course of three to six months, three times a week. Wow. Meditating. You can change, I want to say, 25% of your genome positively, turning on positive genes, just meditating 10 to 15 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And so it's little things like that. And when you know... If you know your your genetic code, what that does then is that it takes a lot of the guesswork out. It helps you become more efficient, more effective. Because we hear a lot of diets out there, and a lot of times we try because we we see a wave of people using it. But how do we know if that's best for us? Right. That's where the gene, the genetic code comes in. Because we hear, I'll use myself for an example. The sun is a great source for vitamin D for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily for me. And that's because I have certain receptors that doesn't absorb that well. So Mm -hmm. I had to supplement to get that, um, to get that optimal amount of vitamin D and you can test that. That's when you start bringing in labs as well, right? because I have certain genes also, and my family have shown that we have a lot of diabetes, cardiovascular issues in our family. Mm -hmm. So I have a propensity for that. It's not a definite, it's just a probability that if I go off the rails and don't take care of myself. That's one of the first things that's going to happen. Right. And so sometimes, and that's, that's why I'm not a huge fan of just handing people over a bunch of data, like these commercial tests is because people take these as the end all be all. They see that, oh, I have this, I have this gene, I have this gene, I have to do this. That's not necessarily true because we don't know if it's going to express because the human body operates in a cohesive way. It's all connected. It's a system. And a lot of times when we think about health, we look at it in silos, but that's not really the way it happens. So if I'm deficient in one vitamin, it's going to affect a lot of other different parts of the body right. because it's responsible and it, you have these different cofactors. So epigenetics plays a part in essentially helping us perform alchemy and choose how we age and choose how we can c- continue to perform at a high level and and it essentially helps us to save time to get back to doing what we love to do more. So
0: then what, I mean, where do you even start with that? I mean, I mm-hmm. love the, the queen bee analogy is, mm-hmm. is wonderful. I mean, it certainly simplifies it to, to make mm-hmm. you understand that. And listen, there's been so much research on this, like taking twins, you know, that, mm-hmm. that were actually separated and adopted in different areas. Right. And yet, you know, some were similarities and other things were not based on where they grew up and their environment and and all of that. So yes, there's been so much research on this, but as, the average mm-hmm. you know, mortgage professional, where do you start with something like that? I mean, do we go to someone like yourself that, and what would you do? You know, like if someone said, hey, Julian, that sounds great. And I, listen, I want to learn, live a long, healthy, mm-hmm. successful life for as much as possible. So I need to understand myself. Where do you start?
1: Yeah. So if someone did come to me. Um, we would start by basically collecting their story is what I call it. So depending on how detailed they want to get, we would just uh, collect a lot of data entry points. So everything on the foundational foundational level starts with a um, genetic test. Then there's also, also have this lifestyle assessment. So for three to four days, individuals will wear a little wearable device on them. It'll attract every single heartbeat throughout those days. And then they'll send it back. And then what I will do, I'll be able to look at it. And I'll be able to see different inflection points throughout Mm -hmm. the day. I'll I'll be able to see how you're sleeping, how you're recovering. And a cool thing for a lot of high performers is you'll notice that certain times of the day there's a lot more stress than other points. Just random moments of stress that you might not even realize it, but it is. And then I can go back and say, hey, John, for example, yeah, why why at 2.30? What's
0: happening at 2.30, right? What's happening at
1: 2.30? So maybe John's doing an activity that's very stressful to him and he doesn't realize it. So maybe he needs to outsource that activity or maybe he needs to re-examine how to kind of mitigate that and, and alleviate that. And so that's more of what you can call precision wellness and performance in, is that instead of just throwing a bunch of guesswork out there, you're being very precise with your inputs to help that particular individual and in what's showing up there. Because I come in, I, I don't give any like solutions or create any plans until I see the I'll, until I see the necessary data, so I can see and give a, a story that's tailored for them. So to answer that question, it's um, you know I'll send you genetic tests and other different assessments depending on how detailed you want to go and, and depending very, on and
0: it's specific and unique to that individual.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. wow, and then that's
0: um, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and then uh, there'll be a a fitness. I have a fitness. Uh, Trainer, he'll do the programming side because he's very, that's his thing. Yep. And um, that's
0: his specialty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But even, you know, even if they don't, anyone doesn't reach out to me, it's the thing is, you can go ahead and and epigenetically help yourself by just being mindful of the thoughts that you think every day, the language that you use to yourself, your perception of everyday basis, the way you eat, the way you exercise and just getting sleep you're already doing your body a good thing by doing those things right there
0: wow so i, so, I just don't, so I, simple yet yeah, so yeah. so simple yet so complex right yes well, that's
1: i'm glad you said that because um, um when we think about health sometimes we think it's complicated and it's not complicated but it can be complex
0: Mm-hmm. That is right. All right. Well, Julian, now the other question. And before we went live, we were having a, a brief conversation and you were saying that over the last couple of years, you've kind of gotten out of your comfort zone and have started reaching out to people to kind of speak about the work you do, and what you've mm-hmm. learned and being able to help other people. And I can tell you again, speaking from my industry, This is a very common conversation we have where we always say, guys, you're the experts, you're the pros, you can help all these families. Don't be afraid to reach out and be that expert in your community. So I'm actually curious, a little bit of a sidebar question, but I would like to know how did you get comfortable with and and you know, Julian, the other thing is, you know, I've had lots of different types of people on the podcast, and I find that. People that are very high level academically, the Mm -hmm. highest level of degrees, the PhDs, the doctors, they really, really struggle where they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant and they can quote books and they can quote everything and they're brilliant but they cannot do like something like myself where I'm very comfortable having conversations with anyone and and I can communicate effectively but yet they're technically much more brilliant than I am because of their educational standpoint. So how did you go from that academic side to switch over to being able to effectively communicate and getting out of your comfort zone?
1: Yeah, oh man. You're spot on because I know <laughs> I know some really brilliant people and i i and they help me because and that's the beauty now like anytime i have trouble or f- trying to figure out something for a client or anything i have them in my back pocket i and i always i tell these people that the doctors we see on tv a lot of times like you guys are 80 times smarter than him
0: oh yes yes
1: <laughs> but they're so just they're media trained of course yes. and they're just willing to get out there and i think it's because I think for one reason I then I'll speak on myself. I think for a lot of times in the academic world, you're so humbled and you just, and you realize mm-hmm. that, especially if you research a lot, you realize that you keep learning new things, what you thought you knew, you didn't know after a few years when new research comes in. So, and you realize the amount of information coming at you, it keeps you very humble
0: oh. because
1: I still have a lot of days where I'm like, I don't know anything really. I don't ah. think I know anything. You know, I and some people call it imposter syndrome. But um, I re- I'm very yeah, familiar
0: yeah. with that one. That's a hot topic too. <laughs> but
1: I, I think it's just, to a certain extent, I think it's being a little too humble. And then sometimes there's, of course, the obvious maybe there's a fear of failure, even maybe a fear of success or fear of, you know, Will people treat you differently if you put yourself out there? Would they think that you're just trying to get fame instead of just being a doctor or or that Ooh, type of stuff? That
0: could be right. You might so, really have hit on something there because then all of a sudden it becomes ego mm-hmm. over academic and fact and research mm-hmm. and, and kind of um the black and white of that, yeah, right? You're like, d- yeah,
1: you're just a celebrity, you're you're yes. for fame. And so so for them, I think that it might be that case. And for me specifically, I think I always just kept telling myself I wasn't ready. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't know enough yet, or I wasn't, I wasn't media trained enough yet, or no one would be interested. It's a topic that most other people talk about. And I say that, I said most people talked about it because at that point, the circle I hung around with was just people like me that right. were into, that were into health and a lot of this anti-aging stuff. So that bubble seemed really huge. It wasn't until I started expanding my range and expanding my connections that I realized, Oh, this is not new. I even talked to some people in the, um, I talked to a few, I knew um, like a sports agent mm-hmm. and he was talking about um, some of the NFL athletes and everything. I was talking about some of the stuff he does. I do. And he was like, Oh, they do that. I was like, what? They don't do that. <laughs> and so this is where like, Oh, okay. Maybe I think it's just the environment I've been in in the echo chamber yeah. that I thought everyone does this. Everyone knows this. This is still a little new because I noticed in the news that intermittent fasting is very mainstream now. Yeah. And I started doing intermittent fasting and, and on like people in the gym and forms back in 2007 or
0: so. Get out of here. Really? And, wow. and
1: like the keto diets and all this yep. stuff was, was old to me, but I was like, Oh, wait a minute. And so I had this big cognitive dissonance moment. And so, and then I also realized that if I say that I want the things that I want, I write these down on my vision board, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. I could say one thing, but what do my actions indicate? That's right. And there was a huge congruent incongruency there. And the second thing was, I thought about this from a tactical standpoint as well. Some people are social media stars. Some people love social media. I don't really love social media much like a lot of these other guys. Because social media is good for sound bites, Yeah. And I love talks like this, where it's 20 to 30 minutes or even longer. And they really get to hear you talk. They get to learn you and you build a relationship with them. Because I like more intimate relationship building one-to-one. And so I I put all those together and just slowly started to do it. I didn't massively pull myself out there. I just slowly did it. And I did it in a way that felt incongruence with me and my personality. I
0: think you hit something very important there. Just like everything, just like everything you've said, no one's going to tell you this is the way to sleep. This is the way to exercise. This is the way that you perform. And there's also no one way for you to be able to get out of that comfort zone or, or introduce yourself to be media ready. There is no one way. So the biggest recommendation that I'm hearing from you, and this is my personal recommendation, Mm -hmm. it has to be comfortable to you because people can tell whether it's authentic or whether it's not. Mm -hmm. And so when you're authentically you, whatever that is, whether it's feeling more comfortable doing this type of setting in a podcast format or doing those little sound bites, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever is comfortable to you, as long as it's transparent and authentic, that's the way to go.
1: Mm -hmm. And another thing is that when you're thinking about this, um, most people are not going to be thinking about you as much because they're no. way, they're too busy thinking about themselves or they're too insecure with, with their own selves. So, um, so that's one thing to keep in mind as well is just that most people are way too in their head to even think about you. So even if you slip up or mess up, they're going to forget about it in five minutes.
0: A hundred percent. I tell people that all the time that uh, it, it's funny. I, w- I was at a show once, somebody was on stage And this gentleman kept apologizing about the fact that he was wearing a t-shirt because he had spilled something on his dress shirt before he got up. And he must've said it like 10 times. And I literally leaned over to my husband and I said, you do realize that no one in this audience cares if he's wearing a t-shirt or not a (laughs) t-shirt, but to him, he can't get it out of his head that he's wearing a t-shirt, but no one cared that he was wearing it. But I said to my I say to my husband all the time, people are so consumed with themselves, mainly not over ego, over fear of not looking Bingo. the right way or sounding the right way or saying something that sounds silly. It's not about their ego, like I'm great. It's actually the opposite. It's fear of I'm not worthy, I'm not doing something to the highest level. So most of the time, like in this conversation, and I this is another reason why I do a podcast. One of the reasons why I do a podcast is when I became an executive I realized that when the higher you go in career the less people the less you listen because everybody always wants to hear you speak so I deliberately made a podcast that was not about my industry because Julian I don't know your industry so mm-hmm. I had better listen to what you were saying, because I can't just naturally know the answer because epigenetics is not my specialty. (laughs) So I better listen to you.
1: We think the same because that's one reason I started my podcast and made it a hybrid. I just added the words, the marriage of science and business. So yes, there's, I'm doing episodes talking about various aspects of health and I'll, I'll have some health experts on there, but I also, you'll see, I have a lot of different owners. I have a lot of different founders and people from various different industries because I'm curious and I love, I need to learn about these different industries and how they think and what gets them going, because we're all different in a certain aspect. We're all the same, but there's that one little percentage again, that makes us truly unique. And you hit the nail on the coffin with that. And I will also say, that a lot of times to me, it just from observation, it seems that the more higher up you go, the more you start to, and the more success you get, you start to get this thing, what I call the success paradox for a lot of people where oh, I
0: speak about I, that. I, that's new. Come on. Yeah. All right. Tell me about that.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I tell you, so this is, I see, this is one thing I think why sometimes high performers struggle with health is that they know that health is inherently important for them, but what happens is they get more success that comes they, so that's more revenue. That's more responsibilities now. That's maybe more pressure, more stress, and you're still on top of having the, the same personal responsibilities in your life. So you're still trying to juggle that, and then you have all these other side tangents. And then the thing that gets left out is your own personal time to address your health. Maybe that twelve o'clock appointment for your gym or for your workout, it just gets taken up today by an extra call. Okay, fine. And then it happens the next day, or it happens another day, and so you lose that consistency because success has started to compound, and you haven't figured out a way to um, create your new, new your new normal with this in this successful um, paradigm. And so I know you mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, off the show that um, twenty twenty was the biggest year for for in, in this industry. Yep, and I'm just thinking that there could be some people out there who are you know. This flood of success came to them. And so there's a lot more demand for them now. There's that's a lot great. more clientele. There's a lot more responsibilities now. A lot of extra a lot of extra time that's not there anymore. Still on top of managing their family, relationships, kids, whatever. That gets condensed. And if you don't structure it and be really mindful of your health practices, you can just start grabbing foods out of conveniences. Yeah. You can short an hour of sleep here and there to do more work. And the, the great thing about the body is that it's resilient. And whatever you give it, it will adapt to. So you'll feel, you'll feel kind of fine, maybe after a coffee or two in the morning, and you'll just think, "Oh, I'm okay, I'll just keep going this way." But what happens over the long term? That's where it happens, because health doesn't break down, much like people don't gain weight overnight. It's so slow that you don't notice it until one day you just wake up and it's like, "Oh what, what happened?"
0: Yeah,
1: that's the thing. It's so sneaky. That's what the body, the body is fascinating with that.
0: Well, well, I mean, think about it. I mean, I know, you know, I I have this running joke of, you know, the decisions that I made in my twenties, I'm living in my body now. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have to remember that, that whatever you did in your twenties and your thirties, as you move along, that's the reaction of the body you have as you get older, So you always have to remember that, that you're investing into that vessel that you want to be healthy. And and listen, all of us want to live as long as we can, but not just live. We want to be able to go hiking and biking, and we want to run with the grandchildren, and we want to not end. We want our minds to be sharp, and right? So everything that we're doing, whether it's the sleep, whether it's the exercise, whether it's our nutrition, that's our future.
1: Yeah. It really and, is. and you hit the nail in the coffin because a lot of times we think of lifespan, maybe health span. But as my friend said, there's a third component that's well-span. That's right. And that's how you're living inside of all of that. So those three key components. And like you mentioned, sh- you know, for some people even out there, they think that I really damaged my body. It's really never too late to start alleviating, mitigating any situation. I've, I've seen some crazy things that have been reversed. So I don't think it's ever too late. It's maybe it's more work than if you hadn't had it in the first place, but it's never too late. Just like it's never too late to start over start a new life and become and build it, your dreams. It's never too late. Really okay. long as you're long as you're alive, long as you can breathe, you're still in the game.
0: That is very true. All right, Julian, we could go on for days. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for all of this information. It's been so wonderful. Please tell our audience how they can connect with you, learn more about all of this.
1: Yeah, so you can just go to the home base of theartoffitnessandlife.com and you would see links to the podcast and everything that you can imagine at that one place. And if you want, you can also directly email me at julian at theartoffitnessandlife.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Be well, stay safe and all the best, Julian.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for
0: joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged Podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.